whether you know it or not, you're getting sold to daily, a hundred times a day. Yeah, getting your daughter to brush her teeth after you've had 50 objections thrown at your face. None of them are relevant. Every fifth post on Instagram is an ad. Like, you're just filtering out sales all day, every day. So I think that people are, yeah, 100% washed up on what's going on. So if you don't believe in what you're doing, if you don't believe in yourself, then that's going to come across very, very quickly within that first five seconds. Welcome to the Tales of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Broden Johnson. I've spent close to a decade living and breathing sales, and I've learned that everyone's in sales, whether we know it or not. Once a week, I have the pleasure of speaking with amazing people from all walks of life to hear their tales of sales. Thanks for coming to the show, mate. Oh, thanks for having me, man. That's all right. So uh, you began your sales life uh, unknowingly at the age of 14 whilst fundraising, and uh, basically you spent most of your adult life working on improving your, your methods. Uh, Mike's business philosophy is people first, and then whatever you do, come second. So Mike's a proud family man, lover of all things life and business. And mate, I can't wait to get stuck into our first episode. Maybe can I. I'm excited, man. Can't wait to see what you've got in store for me. Well, mate, let's crack into it. So, to kick things off, do you believe everyone's in sales one way or another? Yeah, 100%. I think we've spoken about this a few times as well, but like, life is sales, really. Like, it's, whether you're trying to sway someone into your line of thinking, uh, as a parent, you're always going to sell to your kids to do the right thing and, yeah. and eat their dinner and go have a shower and whatever else they want to fight against. I think in life, you've got to... Uh, in relationships you got to sell your idea to your partner in order for them to pick it up because there's yeah so many different various points so i think life is selling in one way or another i think the approach is probably where it differs from a, like a professional salesman to someone like that's just going about their day-to-day business that's right yeah i think at the end of the day everyone, everyone has some fundamentals of selling as yeah. you said whether they're parents teachers whatever it might be there's there's the communication that you've got to have and if you suck at that yeah it makes life a little bit, a little bit harder. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, um, and it's your philosophy too. I think your group that you've got going selling is human. But I remember reading "To Sell as Human" by Dan Pink. I think it is. Yeah, that's it. And then finally, like reading that book, I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, there, it really is. Like it, it goes back down to the fundamentals of like just getting by on a day to day basis. Mm. It's pretty cool. Really opened your eyes on non selling. Selling is what he calls it. Yeah. But effectively, you're either in sales actively or you're non selling. Yeah. Selling. Because you still you still get that communication between one another, yeah. Which I think is great because I mean you run a landscaping business, and although you don't say you're a salesperson, you acknowledge that you're in sales, yeah. Because that's what makes the world spin. That's how you get the business at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it comes back down to your philosophy on things and sales. Like I think it really until I met you and you started getting into that kind of sales process and unpacking all that. Like I, it opened a whole new world to me. Like before, I just kind of did what I did because that's what I knew. Yeah. Now that you're actually starting to show that there are processes and and ways and means of doing things and overcoming objections, like I think that's an amazing thing to have. And I think if more people had that, it'll make their journey a lot easier. Because I mean, as you said in the introduction, failing forward for me, like I didn't, I don't know what I don't know until I need to know it. So I just kind of went through blind until that kind of stuff popped up and yeah. books pop up, people pop up, and it all really does help you on your on your day to day life, which yeah. is good. Absolutely. I mean, tell us a little bit about where you come up with failing forward. Like, if that's your philosophy that you believe in, where'd you come up with that? I've had a lot of fuck ups, like a lot. I've cost myself a lot of money, a lot of time, put myself through like a lot of unnecessary heartache. And, and I went through a process there 
a couple of years ago where I really beat myself up about that. Mm. And then I realized like, this is all part of the freaking journey. Like you, you have to fail in order to, in order to succeed in every book that you read or every podcast you listen to when it comes to successful people or successful entrepreneurs, they've all had to fail to get to where they are. A lot of people may skip mm. over it, but I don't think there's any one individual out there that's got through life unscathed. And that's kind of where it popped up. I just thought, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm always failing, but every time I get up, it's a new day to have another crack, and I'm always moving forward. So it's kind of just stuck in my head, and yeah, it stayed with me. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just it was what works for me. I think it's something everyone goes through. It's almost like if you want to become successful, you have to fail some at first. Yeah, because the moment you're getting closer to that success, then you're almost bound to fail to almost test you before that true success comes through. Well, I hundred percent. I think if you don't fail, if you went through and just succeeded all the time, you wouldn't know that you're succeeding or like you wouldn't mm. even know how or why. Uh, I think you have to fail in order to learn what not to do. And, and that's kind of what helps you grow. Yeah, absolutely. So back on the sales, when you look at sales, do you rather speaking to customers and, and selling over the phone or do you rather doing it face to face with another person? It depends on the process. Like, so for us, we'll get a an inquiry or, or a lead come through, and it, it really depends on the language a client uses. So I think I said in the, in the intro there that qualifying for me has become a huge thing, mm-hmm. and I have really started to understand that not every person is my ideal client, yeah. and I don't want to do work for anybody and everybody. So in our industry, landscape construction is a hard one. So it is landscaping is typically at the point of the end of a build or a renovation where they don't really have as much money left as they'd like mm-hmm. and landscaping kind of almost comes last. So you're not always working with great budgets. You, um, you're going to be on their side for, say, anywhere from 6 to 12 weeks doing this landscape construction. construction. So I want to make sure the people that we're doing work for and with are people that I want to spend 6 or 8 weeks of my life with because we've had projects where yeah. some people are just super difficult mm-hmm. and I think... What, what what are we doing here? We're not we're not wanted here. Like they're looking at us like we're a burden to them, even though we're trying to provide a service. And yeah. like, no matter how great their finished result of the product is, there's always that kind of like sour taste in their mouth, and even yeah. my mouth by the end of it. So I've really learned that qualifying is a key thing. So if I take a phone call, if I get within that first five seconds that that vibe that this guy's my guy or that this girl's my girl, then I go ahead and if I think that there's someone that I really do want to spend my days with, then I'll go ahead and book a consultation to go out there and actually meet them face-to-face and, mm-hmm. and go through that process. But if, I, if they answer the phone and use language that kind of puts me off or doesn't really align with my like highest values within my business, then I kind of either give them a price over the phone just to qualify mm-hmm. them some more or I pass them on to a, a competitor of mine to give them work so we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, right. That way they're still being serviced. Absolutely. I'd I think like a few points you just made then, like first and foremost, qualifying your customers and, and being prepared to lose the deal yeah. to, to get something better because you can only you can only service so many customers 100%. at the end of the day. Yeah. You can only do so many jobs and I think that's a great position that you're in where you can say no to a customer um, because you don't you don't want to work with that customer because it's not gonna be good for you, it's not gonna be good for them. Yeah. And referring it to your to your competitors like that's almost going to want to make them come back to you and say, yeah. "Hey, man, I really want you to do my lawn." <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think, I think that's an awesome thing that you do because qualifying is 100. percent It's, it's a really important thing you have to do in every sort of sale. Yeah. Um, qualifying for something, whether it's money or they can do the job or whether you like them or whatever, that you should be qualifying definitely for those things. So 
well, a lot I of people like, struggle though, like to actually have the discipline that if they don't qualify, they still go through and take the job, even though they don't qualify because they're, they're scared they'll miss out. Yeah. Um, but I think that's awesome what you're doing there. Well, I think that comes with time. Like at the start of our business, like I, you, you have to do yeah. every job. But I, I think all it takes is one bad client. I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. One bad client, honestly, can make or break everything. Like that could be the person that takes you to court over something you didn't really do or they could um, hold 20 grand worth of payment from you just mm. because they feel like they can or they know that they're within their rights. Like there's people out there that do that stuff. And yeah. if you aren't willing to, like you said, walk away from the sale or willing to to understand who your ideal client is and who you want to spend your days with, I think that can come at a detriment of your business. And like we're three mm. and a half years in now and I have had a lot, a lot of bad clients. I've had a lot of of those things where you do a $10,000 job that carries on for six months because they're not happy with stuff. They're just completely outside of your control and you've done everything you possibly yeah. can, but it's still not enough. Yeah. Like that $10,000 job, any kind of... Not worth it. Yeah, you, you're not making any money. All you're doing is wasting a lot of time and energy on those people that they're, just, they're suckers. They just want to take from you. Yeah, I suppose someone that, that might be starting out that, as you're saying, you, you qualify because you're, you're busy and yeah. you physically... You know your schedule. You know what your ideal customer is. And yeah. if they don't fit, you don't waste your time. Yeah. I suppose someone starting out that has a full agenda, um, the, the piece of advice that I get from that is almost act as if you're, you are busy because you've, you're going to be busy one day. So act as if you are now yeah. and treat your business as if you already are at that point and be disciplined to qualify those customers. I think that's 100%. awesome. Well, I think two th- maybe a couple of things to add to that is if you have to take that work on, just get your documentation and your procedures in place properly, first and foremost. And that mm-hmm. way, when they sign on that dotted line, make sure stuff is signed to say that I agree to these 10 conditions because that's one thing we really, yeah, really fell short on. But then also, add a margin to difficulty. If you know the job is going to be a headache and you know the client's going to be a bit of a headache, chuck a couple of grand on. So that way, if and when you get the job, you've got that buffer there to know that it's mm-hmm. going to carry on a little bit more. And you, you've covered yourself. It kind of, you think, all right, this is difficult yes it is hard but that's why i put that buffer on there to allow myself this time to deal with it yeah makes it all worthwhile yeah and if you don't get the job then who cares just chase harder for the next one that's it yeah i think it's good to have that discipline that you've got there mate so did you develop your sales skills from as we said in the intro reading books or do you think you were sort of more born with the gift of the gab as they say I've kind of, I, I feel like I've learned by doing, so like 40 years old, I went and did a fundraiser. It didn't quite work out the way that I wanted to. I don't know if anyone knows how scary it is to go and lock on $200 a weekend and ask people to sell, like buy chocolates. And people are very yeah. forgiving. Like they want to help a 14 year old kid who's having a crack. So there wasn't even like yeah. a huge amount of objection there, but it's, it's scary. Like walking up and putting yourself out there and mm-hmm. that fear of rejection is always in the back of your mind. Like you've got to go through that at school as a 14 year old and then you're putting yeah. yourself through that on the weekend. Like there was no break. Yeah, did sales for my dad's business when I was 19. I was a foreman in his um, timber window and door manufacturing company and I had to start to learn then. So I went through the National College of Business and learned sales and mm-hmm. leadership and a few other bits and pieces, which was really great. But I don't think at 19, I was quite ready to fully understand what they were trying to teach me. Yeah. So I think that kind of laid dormant in my head for maybe, I don't know, five or six years. And then <laughs> I kind of like I woke up one day and thought, fuck man, like what are you doing? Let's let's yeah. get this thing rolling properly. And then obviously when I started my business, because I kicked off the um the re-education journey around 25 and started my business at 27. So I, I really had to pull my finger out and start understanding what I was doing because what I was doing before that wasn't working for me. Yeah, but it's good that you know that. Yes. Absolutely. Self-awareness is a huge gift. Huge thing. Yeah. And utilizing that time in the car that you spend 
do to educate yourself. Yeah. But I mean, going back to your door knocking, 100% one of the like door knocking and I suppose telephone um, prospecting. Yeah. Like any sort of prospecting at the end of the day, whether it's door knocking or yeah. walking into a business, door knocking, whatever. Um, there, it is one of the most difficult things, and I think it's one of the things that most people have the fear of doing because yeah. it, it you, you get the most rejection from it. Yeah. But I think you need to be able to learn how to handle that rejection. If you can learn that at an early stage, like you did. Yeah. That's probably set you up for a lot of other things and allowed you to fail forward in a more positive manner yeah because um, you're used to that rejection so if, if anyone's you know struggling with that prospecting it's just you just got to do it because there's three reasons why you're not going to prospect and the, the main one is that you're just going to be procrastinating about it and having that fear of that rejection but at the end of the day you said what's the worst that can happen you're, you're 14 at the time so the rejection wasn't that bad no. but even in a an adult career if you're in a sales job there, what's the worst that can happen you're not going to die you're not going to lose your job you just might get no. Yeah. Well, half the thing to add to the add to that as well, and for the first year of business, when I got told no, it felt like a giant kick in the guts, right? Yeah. And then I realised they're not saying no to me personally. They're not saying like no to like Michael Trainer. Like I'm I'm a good dude, and I, and I you are, I, and I'm here to help and and, and try and help people through their process. And like realising the fact they're not saying no to you, and that it's not a a chink in your armour or a direct feedback loop for you and understanding that you just need to mm. do your process a bit better really look at your process and unpack that and see how you want it to go and what people are actually looking for and that really starts turning those no's from no's to yeses but it's not the longer you sit there wallowing in the self-pity yeah. thinking that they're having a crack at you it's got nothing to do with you it's got everything to do with the process understand the process do it better than anybody else that's right and you'll see a huge improvement real quick and if you and if you expect that you are going to fail or get the rejection yeah it doesn't hurt as much when you get it yeah like someone once told me that you know you might get one deal out of 10 for example yeah. and on his ninth call or the 10th call he'd say to the customer you well you've got to buy i've just had night nose so yeah. the 10th one's got to be a yes and <laughs> it's just being being in that light manner in that positive manner helps you get through that rejection and, yeah and customers will, will say it and if you are feeling shitty about it that's going to rub off on the customer, whether you're over the phone yeah. or face to face. They're going to see that this is not what you want to be doing, yeah. and they're going to be ten times worse than you. So, just flip that around and positive to them. Positive and confident, absolutely. Because without the confidence, if you walk in there and you've got your head down, and you're a bit worried about everything, and like you, I can smell that fear on your mile away, man. <laughs> you got to walk in there and go, you know, what? I don't need this job. I'm busy as I can leave here right now and get stuck into some work. Like it's just a yeah. confidence is key. People want to deal with confident people because oh, if down. you walk in there, and you're already not sure of how you're going to get this job done or whatever you're doing, whatever business you're in, like people pick up on those vibes. That's it. You need to act as if you're the best bloody yeah. landscaper in your case yeah, which that we are. is around. <laughs> like there's no one better than you. So there's no one else that can do a better job than what you can physically yeah, exactly. do. And if you walk in with that confidence, they're going to see it. So whether they come on board or not, it's going to be because you choose because you've qualified them at yeah. the end of the day. They're not the right customer for you right now. Yeah. On to the next. hundred percent. And even with that too, just to add to that, just because you go out there and you meet with them and you go through the whole process, you still don't have to say yes on your side. Like no. Even if they say yes to you and say, yeah, we want to work with you guys, if you've got vibes or, or, or hunches or things haven't quite lined up to your values when you're there, yeah. once again, say no. And yes, they will get the shits up sometimes and, and you probably may feel obliged to do it, but there's red flags there. Walk away from that project and pass it on to someone else. Yeah, 100%. Stay disciplined when you're qualifying. Yeah. Moving on to your business, though, tell us a little bit about Truescapes. Right now, we are taking on a lot more of what we wanted to do. Um, we kind of built our business backwards for three years, and 
when I say that, I mean we kind of just got stuck in a business because we wanted to have a business and we didn't really have a full understanding of what it is we were trying to build. Um, three years in, we kind of came to a point where we're, my business partner and I were nearly going to pack it up and throw it away right. because it wasn't working for us. It wasn't working for our lifestyle. Um, it was putting pressure on our families. And then we sat down and have a, had a blunt conversation of like, what are we actually trying to achieve here and what do we want to do? Yeah. Um, landscaping as a business is not a highly profitable business. It, it has a lot of low barriers to entry. So you're competing with people that aren't licensed, they're not insured. And, and frankly, they don't give a shit because if they let someone down properly and fail, fail a project, mm. they'll close that business down and start up another one tomorrow with no repercussions. Yeah. Um, so trying to have a, an outfit that has a reputation like that we've built and the time that we spent on building our brand, that's what starts to, to flip it around and move us into where we're at now. So now we are doing, uh, I'd say, six to eight proper landscape design and construction packages worth about a hundred grand each, which is really cool. And then we knock out nice. probably eight to ten a month of just like full new home landscaping packages. So that's taken uh me to go through and build relationships with builders and developers, like land sales consultants and say like this is what we've got to offer as a package to help you guys out. Mm-hmm. And um we do it at a price point where it's competitive enough to get our foot in the door and then have the opportunity to upsell. So we start low and we work our way up. So we could turn a, a $4,900 package, front yard package into like a $35,000 job. Yeah, that's awesome. Just with a couple of hours worth of work. I think I spoke to you about that one recently. Yeah. Um, and it's not so much the dollar value. It's more about understanding fully what the client's needs and wants are. And it took me a long time to realize that, that people want to spend their money with you. Like they want to mm-hmm. have the stuff that, that they want. And I spent a lot of time in the start um, talking them out of things, going, oh, no, that's too expensive or, no, nah, that won't work or yeah. find out how to make it work because they want to spend the fucking money. Like, yeah. they want that stuff. They don't want you to tell them no. They want to say, yep, let's, nothing's, nothing's a drama. Let's make it happen. Um, we've got a uh, part-time marketing and PR lady now, which has been great. That's kind of pushed us into the next level. We're kicking off a podcast called The Brisbane Landscape, which talks about all things uh, Brisbane real estate, Brisbane building, renovating, yeah, nice. and just life. Like I'm kind of getting into people's backyards and seeing what goes on behind the scenes and seeing how we can educate people in the process of basically improving their lives, their home, and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't yeah. sound like you're cutting any corners in any place. Where... No, and I think that's where it comes to. Like it, it takes time, but like our business has really helped us like get in front of people like you and mm-hmm. and, and build some good relationships with people. And I think that that's only going to help us in the future. No matter what vehicle we're driving, I think as long as you've got a good support network around you, it doesn't really matter. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. So where did it start though? When did Truescapes become Truescapes? Truescapes became Truescapes in 2016, January. So my business partner, Scotty, he had a um, landscaping business. I wouldn't call it a landscaping business, more like a contracting business with his brother. Right. Um, that fell apart fairly quickly, um, just family. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you've been there. I was working for a um, commercial interiors company in Brisbane and I was there for about 10 months and I hated it. That was probably the worst 10 months of my life, but it taught me so much. Being in it mm-hmm. sucked. Being out of it gave me a, a lot of a lot of life lessons, a lot of gifts. Funny how a lot of our uh, worst times of our life set you up. Like, And that's the thing too, Like, it sucks when you're in it. Like, It really does, but like... Yeah, once again, get that network around you, get people you can talk to and get people that can kind of help you and coach you through that, which is what I did. Uh, but I got let go of that job. I would like to say it's through no fault of my own, but 
there definitely was uh, it was a two way street on that one. Um, and then I was going to start a retractable fly screen company. So I was giving Scotty a hand on a few of his projects just to, because it was in Christmas time, November, December, I started helping him out. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not, this is not the time to start a business like this. I need to wait and get through this period. And I just never left. My business partner, Scotty, and his brother decided to part ways. And we had a, a pretty serious conversation over Christmas drinks. Yep about utilizing my past or previous business experience and Scotty's um, tradesman ability to see what we can build and literally true scapes. And it was originally meant to be called Marvel Scapes, which is fucking stupid now that I think about Scotty it. Scotty loves Marvel. <laughs> I looked up the meaning of Marvel and it was like to look at things through a lens of awe and excitement and then he liked Marvel movies. Yeah, he's, he's just thinking Spider-Man. Yeah, and I'm going full deep like I always do. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, true scapes popped up and... It's based on a foundation of trust, transparency, and honesty. Mm. That's what we kind of run our business through, and that's just who we are as people. So, yeah, that's where we started. Mate, that's awesome. What's been the hardest thing for you to overcome in in business then? There's two things, actually. Can I, can I do two? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, one, I think uh, you really need to understand your business and, and, and plan for where you're going. So this thing called teleology, and it's called, it's basically the whole meaning of teleology is to begin with the end of mind. Mm-hmm. If you're going to start a business, have a very clear and vivid vision of where you want that business to go and start working towards that from day one. Uh, don't do what we did and fumble around and stuff around for three years in fog. Have a, a fully clear understanding of put things in place to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're getting into business just for the sake of calling yourself a businessman or having a business, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Look at longevity. Look at exit plans. Look at who you want to do business for and with and, and how. Um, and I think that really, really does help. Uh, the second one for me is understanding that business has cycles or waves. So for us as a landscape construction company, uh, it took me three years to realize that we are always going to be slow in March and always going to be slow in August. And I, I still don't fully know what that is, but three mm-hmm. years of documentation and reports and stuff is telling me the same story. So mm-hmm. this year, for a nice little change, I knew that March and August were going to be quiet so i worked and doubled down and it's been the busiest march and august we've had yet nice um, which has been great but it's just really understanding how your business flows through depends on the industry knowing your numbers yeah knowing your numbers knowing your break-even points to try and wrap that up as a whole i think education is probably the biggest key learning factor for me in business is really educating yourself in communication people business structure organization sales and there's so much to learn it's almost overwhelming mm. but you just get better day by day absolutely yeah but i think knowing your numbers on what you're saying there i think that's a, an awesome thing to bring up because that's one of the things i love about sales is that everything's trackable yeah. there's there's numbers to everything it doesn't matter what industry you're in you can track the metrics of it all from from the start to the finish so if you're picturing a funnel people are coming in one way or another whether it's through prospecting door knocking marketing, social media, they're coming in one way and you can track your conversions throughout the whole entire thing and then you can look at that and go, shit, all right, I'm struggling here. Or as you said, you're, you know, March and August are slow. Yeah. So let's let's improve on that because you've, you know your numbers, you've got that. If you weren't tracking that and you weren't knowing that, then you're going to have this mysterious two months every single year yeah. that just is, what the hell's going on? But it might be related to something that's happening two months prior. And as you said, you doubled down and you managed to to alleviate that to some degree. So yeah, I think that's a massive thing that you have to focus in on, on the sales side of things as well and, and business, let alone. 
to be able to keep that consistent ride. For sure. And I think it's understanding that you have to work on your business just as much as in your business. I think if you spend all your time in your business, mm. nothing's going to change, nothing's going to grow, nothing's going to evolve. But if you spend all your time on your business and the work's not going to get done either. So it, it's a it's a juggling act of like really trying to make sure that your business is growing and it's heading in the direction like that you're, that you're chasing, mm-hmm. but also making sure that you're on the ground getting the work done. That's it, mate. Yeah. I think that's good. Just an off-topic question I know, and it's something I like to ask everyone, is what's your thoughts on scripts? So if you ever speak to someone on the phone or, or have you ever written out a script to use while selling? No, but I probably should. I, I understand the importance and I think it's, um, it has been high on my priority list over the last three and a half years, but I really do see the importance of it and I think mm-hmm. it's something that we will begin to do because I think if you are looking at, let's say if you're going to have that purpose in mind for a business, if you're going to look at exiting yourself out of that business one day, you need to have systems and processes in place and have people that can take your seat and no matter who answers that phone call, when you're away from that business, you know what's being said, how it's mm-hmm. being said, and, and what's happening so you don't ever have to second guess if people are running away with your business or screwing it up for you because this is how we do business here and I, I think that's a hugely important thing Mate, i think that's uh i think that's a good way to put it that's why i'm a strong believer in scripts and anyone that i'll get in just pass them a script and they can read it yeah and they might suck at first and a lot of people think that if you're reading a script you're, you're going to sound scripted yeah but the way i look at it is you know you watch television there every single word is scripted yeah 100%. at the end of the day it's something you can learn to to make it sound natural and then you don't have to think so much about what you're saying because you know what works and what doesn't work so you you've got it documented for that reason yeah but i know everyone's got their own opinions and that sort of thing but i think there's probably no different to like this is probably going to sound really stupid and so i apologize in advance but like it's no different to like listen to your favorite song and knowing it word for word yeah i think it has its purpose at any given time like those scripts as you soak them in and they become second nature to you, they're not going to be the same every time. Like you don't have to sit down and read a word for word, but as long as you're following the, the structure or the pattern that is kind of in front of you, then your job's done. So even mm. if it comes to the end of the day, and like that can be improved upon, but like if you've done everything that your job or role asks of you and you still haven't got that across the line, well then, I mean, it is what it is. Like you, you've done the best of what you can and it works on 50% of the people and doesn't work on the other 50. Yeah. Well, it's definitely good points to make. So each episode, we do a topic. The topic I picked for you today was was building trust. Yeah. I think that's something that you've got to do in your line of work. How do you build trust within your customers? I think it comes into small things. Like I show up dressed for the occasion where I never used to. I show up 15 minutes on time and make a point of sitting out the front and making return phone calls and emails before I jump in. Mm-hmm. I make a habit of jotting down the clients' names from the start, so then I can go ahead and, and, and chat to the clients by their by their names. And I'm terrible with names. I don't know what it is, but someone will say hi. I'm, I don't know, Jeff. And like four seconds later, I've completely forgotten his name. And I think oh, every time, but I write it on my hand. I make a note of writing it on my hand now. I write it on my notepad. So I've got Jeff and Rosa, and then I've just got that. And I keep reverting back to that. I um, I don't know. I just ask what they've got going on how, like how was the build process or how long have you lived here for and i think it just comes back down to having a, a good honest chat about figuring out who they are mm-hmm. what it is they're trying to achieve in their life and and how we can maybe work together and i think maybe that that trust thing is built through i don't know communication i think um our reputation in the industry maybe i think we've got like a, a decent following and a good review set, set up and i think a lot of people will say the same thing they're just too 
two genuine guys having a crack at it. And we've got a business to run, don't get me wrong, but it really does come back down to who are we doing business with. I think that's really important. I mean, you and I started hanging out after a five-minute conversation outside of a random networking event that we neither of us ever go to. That's it. It just comes back down to I just think about being interested in what people are trying to achieve and helping them do that. And I think that's the key to anything in life, really. Yeah, having that genuine connection. and Yeah. But for, for your sake, do you feel like you need to build trust with the customer before you get them as a customer? Or, or do you feel like it's just something that happens? I think it's just something that happens. I think at the end of the day, like they're contact, contacting us because they want stuff done. I think the the difference between our business and someone who's, say, doing cold calling or prospecting is mm. they're coming to us because they have an issue or a problem or they need a solution. Mm. We're the solution providers. So I feel like if we've done a good enough job in our marketing, our website, and, and whatever other touch points there are within our business, then we're already a foot in the door. And if I can show up and present myself in a, in a way that they have confidence in me to get the job done. So I, I done a podcast of my own with a, a real estate agent and he's a really great friend of mine. And he talks about in sales, there's two types of trust. There's mm. effective trust and cognitive trust. So he said the effective trust is sitting down with someone and going, you know what, this guy's a cool guy. Like I, I like him. He He's really, really great. And we, we get along. Yeah. But then to get that same person, let's say he's a mechanic, um, to go through and fix your guttering. He may be able to do it, but you don't have that cognitive trust in him to think that he is definitely the right guy for the job. Yeah, of So course. you really need to fulfill those two types of trust for people. So it's about rocking up and going, yep, I am the guy that I say I am. We're going to do what we say we're going to do. And then here's previous, um, a previous history of what we have done for other people like you. Mm-hmm. And we've proven that we can get the job done within the time frame, within budget. So we're we're rocking up and allowing them to see see us for all that we are. And yeah. then I think at the end of the day, like if they, if we've done a good enough job, then we get the sale for the most part. Yeah. What I'm getting from that is just you've got to be yourself, and you're gonna you're gonna sit well with per- a person one way or another, and it's We're about that sit first well impression. With your, your people, aren't you? Correct. Like, no, and and as we said earlier, if you don't sit well with them, you're not taking one as a client. Yeah. Um. And be yourself and be who you are, and people will see that 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 genuine self. Don't don't bullshit your customer and pretend you are something that you're not, yeah. because one way or another they'll see through it and it can have a massive backlash on you and it, and it will it'll affect the business one way yeah. or another. I suppose this is just like a bit of a side point to that, but I put myself yeah. through a um, a business coaching or mentor process a couple of years ago and the business mentor went through and interviewed uh, five of our clients, like kind of five random clients, right? Mm-hmm. And I got this feedback back from him. So he called them up and asked them a bunch of questions and man, it felt like a kick in the guts. Like I was pretty upset for like two yeah. days, but it was like... Um, Michael's too matey. He's too friendly. He's um, one of them was like too much of a good guy. So, so the issue behind that is that when you're too friendly, too matey, too much of a good guy, if issues arise within the project or the process or the business, mm-hmm. they feel like they can't bring it to you because you're too much of a good guy or too nice. And we're we're too friendly now that we can't go ahead and give you criti- like, um, yeah. critical feedback. Understanding that you are the face at the forefront of your business, understanding you do have to be professional mm-hmm. and then you're also kind of treading that fine line where you need you need to be able to be a professional friend. Yeah. So my real estate friend that I was telling you about, Adam, if we're doing business together, he's a very different Adam to the Adam that I hang out with and he is able to switch that on and off like it's a, you would not believe it's amazing. Like I can go from having a, a three minute phone call to him around business that we're doing together with property. And then he'd call me back five, five minutes later with my friend, Adam, 
and it's like I'm talking to two different people, but he knows how to switch that on and off. And I think if you can learn that real quick, you you'll go well. Mate, that's awesome advice. Yeah, I think that's something everyone needs to do in their life with 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 all the communication as we're saying non-selling selling i think that's something that someone has to be aware of yeah and be able to switch that on especially if you are working with mates or anything like that i think it's good to be able to have that switch that uh that you said adam's got and when you are working with mates like that if there's ever going to be a time where you're it's all going to go to shit it's going to be mates or family that's right so like for us we don't do work for mates or family anymore unless it's free i will not charge them a single dollar if i'm going to do work for them because if it fucks up I can walk away from there with a clear conscience, but like, I think mates and friends have unrealistic expectations of what things are sometimes. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Good point. All right, you ready for the fun stuff now? Yeah, hit me with it. This was just warm-up. Oh, was it? Yeah. Getting stuck in now. So, well, I've come up with this game that we're going to play, and basically I've got a few objects on the table here. One's a uh, lovely can of Forex gold beer, yep. uh, unopened. One's a bright orange harmonica. And the third is my pair of sunnies. Nice. Just regular shades. So just look at them while I explain the rules, right? So basically the objective of this is you're going to pick one of these three items and you're going to try and sell it to me. Yep. You're going to, you can make it up. You can, rules are, rules are pretty vague there. Make up what you want. Um, make up your own price, but you're going to pitch me yep. and try and get me to buy this product from you. And then the idea is I'm going to throw an objection at you. Okay. Okay, and you've got to overcome it and then try and still get me to get me to buy the product. Awesome. So we'll see how you handle it. So, what are you going for? The uh lovely can of Forex Gold and the uh or the harmonica or the pair of sunnies? I'm gonna go the orange harmonica because it's so I think it's soon there for me to be choosing it. So you're gonna be calling me and you're from Harmonica Specialist. There you go. Yeah. Far away. Broden, how are you? Good mate, how you doing? Good mate, good. I've got an exciting opportunity here for you. I don't know if you've got time to, to chat. Oh, mate, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to hear. You're ready to go? So, this is Michael here from the uh, Harmonica Specialist of Australia. I don't know if you've heard of us. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of my mates said he bought a yeah, you, from you. Yeah, you would have. They're everywhere at the moment. It's like the new hottest craze. Have you got? Have you heard of fidget spinners? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, so these harmonicas are a thing that back in the 50s, and it started to become really popular amongst kids and their peers at the moment. It's like the new in thing. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is... Um, call around and see if uh, people are interested in purchasing. Before you say anything, um, a dollar for every of these purchases go to children with mental health issues. Right. And what we're trying to do is spread awareness around Australia to really take away the dogma and the stigma of children's mental health and help people get through school and and kind of have a successful life, the, the life that they deserve to have in Australia. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you can buy one for $10 or you can buy three for 20 how many do you have kids yeah mate i got two two kids mate you're gonna love it the noise of this between them going through and knowing that you're helping save a a bunch of children around australia what are your thoughts mate honestly i'm probably gonna have to speak to my wife about this before i make any commitments is she around no 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 she's at home looking after the kids oh she is oh mate that's crazy i just just, um gone through the research before about how many children are passing away each week as with suicide, I just, as a father myself, it's it's pretty alarming. Like I got a bit teary before looking at it, and I just these harmonicas, man, like that could be the change. That could be something that's going to help lift these kids up and give them a bit of a happy life. Are you, are you sure you want to lay this opportunity out and 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 hang up now, or do we want to see if I can 
maybe sort of the price down. What's the objection? Is it the price or? Yeah, mate. I mean, I've only got a fifteen dollar curfew, so the twenty dollars for the three is a bit over my budget. Is it? What if we knock it down to fifteen just to get the sale across the road for you and get these kids helped? All right, mate. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. Thank you. No worries. I'll sign you up now. Good sell. <laughs> I do not like that at all. <laughs> that was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Oh, I love it. That's... I'm not a. Um... Yeah, I don't like being that guy. Doesn't make me feel good at all inside. <laughs> Sorry, I could see you squirming. That was yeah. half the fun. Nice. That's what it's all about. But you, but you did well though, because you, you you acknowledged the, um, the objection, and you know that my wife had to speak to her. Yeah. And then which you, is common. Which it, it, exactly, and then you you turned it around. And you really tried to figure out well, what's the real objection? Is it money or, or time? Or, yeah. And I think I think you've got to dig deep because a lot of the time when you get that first objection, it's just a smoke screen. It's something that sounds good that. Yeah. I think I can get off the phone with, you know. Yeah. I, it's something that I'm probably going to say to any salesperson that calls me or knocks on my door or walks into me. There's always going to be that first objection that you almost want to disregard, keep going on and find out what the real objection is. Yeah. And you handled that quite well, so. I don't feel like I did, but I love it. <laughs> Mate, that's all right. You I've know. got a question for you, and I know this is your podcast, and we have spoken about this before, but your whole process here is educating or coaching salespeople into how, how to be best the best sales coaches and the one thing that i see a lot and you probably weren't expecting any question from me but it just kind of popped into my head so that's right that's only fair after you trying to make me sell you a fucking orange harmonica <laughs> <laughs> that's it no i'm always the one thing so i get probably 10 to 15 cold calls a day from different people marketing agencies blah 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 and like i used to give them five seconds of my time but now i just i know from the start what's going to happen and I don't even I just say no nah, I'm not interested in hanging up or it's half the time I even just hang up and then block that number yeah how do you overcome that so like as a I'm just only as a one business owner too I imagine that a lot of other business owners are going through the same thing so how do you break through that barrier to entry pretty much like how do you snap that smoke screen down straight away to go you know what I am a real person and I want to chat to you about something that's actually going to give benefit to you absolutely the, the first thing that you want to do there is that you've got to acknowledge that if it's a if it's a telemarketer, so telephone call, you've got five seconds. Yeah. Generally speaking, before that person makes up a decision on who you are. Yeah. So if I'm calling someone, I know I've got five seconds before they're gonna hang up on me or try and get me off the phone. Yeah. Um, that first thing that I say as soon as I open my mouth, the words that come out, doesn't really matter necessarily what they are. It's it's coming down to the tonality that you're using in that phone call. So you know it's telemarketer calling because they go, Hi, it's Beth here from AMC. <laughs> and it's, you, you can hear immediately because she sounds ridiculous or he sounds ridiculous because his voice is so enthusiastic that it's over the top and you just think, who's this dick? Yeah. Um, so you've got you've to tone it down because the, the idea of the three things you want to achieve in that first five seconds, which is bloody hard, is you want to you know, perceive yourself as an expert. You need, to be, you need to be sharp and confident. You need to be able to get those three things across in that first five seconds and you don't you can't do that through using any particular words yeah because you can't just say hey i'm sharp i'm confident i'm an expert <laughs> listen to me yeah there's no words you can say in that first five seconds but that's why it comes through in the tonality that you have yeah right so if you're to pitch me a google adwords for instance so if you're a google adwords specialist or a google adwords salesperson in that first five seconds if i call up and say hey michael here from truescape how can i help you how do you run that in the first five well, it just might be something like using the tone that I'm going to use. I'm going to act as if you're my mate. Yeah. So you are my mate. That's easy. Yeah. But that's what you need to do for every other prospect that yeah. you're speaking to. Because you can, you can look at your tone in, in a bit more in depth, but on the surface to keep it simple, if you talk to them as if you're talking to a mate that you've got something exciting to tell about, you're not going to be over the top. You're not going to be 
ridiculous about it and especially if you if he knows you're an expert in the industry you, that that tone is naturally rubbing off yeah so what i said to you earlier you've got to be confident that you're the best in the area no yeah. one else can do it better yeah so you might just start off the phone call like you're calling a mate hey it's broden um truescapes how are you doing yeah you're not hey it's broden here from truescapes how are you today yeah you've got to just try and keep that that tone neutral uh not necessarily neutral you almost want a, a slight question or a little bit of intrigue on it so yeah. it's broden Hello, reviews. Well, Truescapes, how you doing? Yeah. So you've still got a little bit of a question mark at the end of it um, because that's going to... Generate conversation. There's two conversations going on. There's one you're having with them, but there's also... Exactly. There's the one in your head, the one you're having. So as soon as you get that telemarketer call, you have a conversation with yourself. How do do I get off the phone call? Yeah. When's it my turn to hang up? Or how the hell do I know this guy? Exactly. But if you have that little bit of intrigue and you... Hey, it's Broden. Truescapes, how you doing? It still sounds casual. You're not over the top. But you've got that little bit of intrigue in there that he's thinking, shit, how do I know this guy? Yeah. Was that have we Peter? Spoken yeah, before? yeah. Have, have we spoken before? Did, did Peter refer me to you? Yeah. And, and suddenly your five seconds are up and you're in. Yeah. Um, and it's that first, you're into that conversation now. So it's just about trying to utilize that, that first few seconds because that's the make or break. Yeah. If you can get past that, then you still got a lot ahead of you. But yeah. at least that's step one in the door. You've yeah, got the door open. Now you've got to walk in and go through the bloody rest of the house to well that's a good thing too like i suppose for uh, your listeners like if you can get through that first five seconds there's almost like that little bit of added confidence that i'm still on the phone here and like i've got an opportunity to make it happen it's honestly it's, it comes down to that tonality of that phone call is there's no words you can say yeah. but if you come across as if you are an expert and with an expert you you've got the authority like think if a, if a policeman gave you a call yeah. immediately you know by their tone of voice that this is someone of authority. Yeah. You're not going to say, hey, mate, no, nah, fuck off and hang up on him. Yeah. Because it's just not how it works. You don't know what he's got to say, but you can hear in his tone that this is someone with authority. Yeah. This is someone, this is an expert. Yeah. Um, he's clearly confident the way he's speaking. And it's just something you've got to practice. Yeah, right. Try your tone, try your confident tone, work it, you know, try a little bit more enthusiastic. That doesn't work. Tone it down a little bit. Try to be a little bit less enthusiastic. You've got to keep it a little bit bottled. You don't want to be over the top because that's what every other telemarketer does. Yeah. So just work on that tone. That's the that's the number one thing I can say to get past that first five seconds. Yeah. And then even finish your first intro with a question. Turn it back onto them and get them talking because everyone likes talking about themselves. Yeah, 100%. Everyone likes sharing information about themselves. So if you can turn that around and get them to talk just briefly about themselves on something, like a question that you've got tailored made for that particular situation, Yeah. they're talking and suddenly you, you, you're through and half an hour later you're still having a conversation but you're acting as if you're mates yeah nice does that make sense yeah 100 percent. i like it yeah cool to to ask you one final question on on the whole episode what's the most important sales lesson that you've learned don't try and sell someone something that you don't believe in it's something that i've learned for myself like if i don't believe in it Mm. the answer is no like and anything else is not my job to sell if you if you're in a position where you're not you're, you're selling something you don't believe in how can you come across with what we're just talking about? Yeah. That, that confidence that you're the absolute bloody best at what you do. Yeah. So even if you don't own the business and you're just working in a business as a salesperson or whatever, doing yeah. what you do. Believe or, in the product, the people. Yeah, the you've got to believe what you do because that naturally oozes out of you as a passion and people can see that you're confident about what you do. They'll see that you genuinely believe in it. Yeah. And try try faking that. Yeah. It, it's hard and people will see it like we're we're pretty switched on beings that we can pick up on that sort of shit. Whether you know it or not, you're getting sold to daily. Everyone's 100 times a day. So yeah, exactly. And it's, 
what you're having for dinner tonight between you and your spouse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting your daughter to brush her teeth after you've had 50 objections thrown at your face. None yeah. of them are relevant. Kids are bloody good salesmen. Or even just going on social media. Like every fifth post on Instagram is an ad. Yeah. Like you're just filtering out sales all day, every day. So I think that people are yeah, 100% washed up on what's going on. So if you don't believe in what you're doing, if you don't believe in yourself, then that's something to come across very, very quickly within that first five seconds. To wrap it up, where can people find you? So we're at Truescapes on Instagram. I think we've got a, a pretty good following there now. We put our content daily on current trends and inspiration and what we've just got going on on a day-to-day basis. Our website, www.truescapes.com.au or directly if you're looking for landscaping services at 1300-TRU-QLD, which is True Queensland. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you here. Awesome, thanks, man. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. This has been the Tales of Sales podcast with Broden Johnson. To master the art and science of selling, follow us on our socials at BrodenJohnson1 or check out our website, thesalesacademy.com.au and remember to keep an eye out for our upcoming book, Core Selling. See you next week.